Today's podcast is entitled Socialism versus Capitalism, a Biblical Christian Perspective. There's much talk these days around the subject of socialism versus capitalism, both as an indication of who we are as a nation and where Christians should stand on the subject as voting members of our republic. Many offer the observation that the early church, presented in the book of Acts, promoted a socialistic view of Christian behavior. They feel our country has drifted toward capitalism over its long history and blame Christians as one group that has been a catalyst for that negative direction. To begin, let's define terms, then look at the book of Acts in context, and finally offer some perspective on where we uh, as a nation are today. Socialism is defined by Webster as any of various economic and political theories advocating collective or governmental ownership and administration of the means of production and distribution of goods, unquote. Capitalism, on the other hand, is, quote, an economic system characterized by private or corporate ownership of capital goods by investments that are determined by private decision and by prices, production, and distribution of goods that are determined mainly on competition in a free market. And finally, the definition of a republic is a government in which supreme power resides in a body of citizens entitled to vote and is exercised by elected officers and representatives responsible to them and the governing according to law. So the book of Acts in the first century formation of Christianity. By this point in the Bible, Jesus had been crucified and the apostles had come out of hiding and are preaching Christ's gospel message throughout the known world. Home church groups are forming uh, for fellowship and accountability and teaching. This time of growth and excitement over these revolutionary ideas point to what appears to be a form of socialistic Christianity. Reading from Acts 2.44 and following, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Know from the verses uh, that I just read that there existed a sense of unity and the spreading of assets to the needy, which likely was not limited to believers. There was an implied rejection of material wealth over spiritual enrichment with quote-unquote generous hearts for all the people. Finally, notice how the Lord added to their number, likely due at least in part to their faithfulness in helping all who were or had need. To add further strength to what would seem to be a socialistic Christian mindset, one can juxtapose this openness and willingness to share with others against the experience of Ananias and Sapphira later in Acts 5. Even though they sold one of their properties in order to give proceeds to the church, because they lied about the full value of that transaction, God struck them both dead. So from all outward appearances, Christian socialism would seem to be a biblical mandate. In many other places in Scripture, and especially in the New Testament, Christ and his followers seem to be teaching the foundational importance of loving one's neighbor and actively caring for his or her needs. Many naturally view this 
as proof text for the redistribution of wealth from those who have to those who have not. So what's wrong with this picture? Returning to the definition of socialism, note Webster's use of the terms, quote, collective or governmental ownership. Further notice that this ownership extends beyond wealth, including ownership of both, quote, the production and distribution of goods, unquote. That's another way of saying the collective or government owns and administrates not only wealth, but the underlying sources of that wealth in the form of property, investments, and manufacturing. So three clarifying questions. In the first century church, did the new believers give up the source of what produced their wealth? Or did they just distribute, quote, the proceeds to all as any had need, unquote? Second question. Further, does the Bible suggest there was an intermediary to these distributions, a collective or a government, that took all the wealth and then made the decisions on who should get what or how much? And finally, were these individual Christians giving from their excess as they individually saw needs in their local community. Not to make everyone equal in monetary wealth or even opportunity, but instead, wasn't it a calling to new believers to give from their excess to those who needed a helping hand? I would suggest that as Christians, we need to offer assistance wherever and however we can to those in need. We unquestionably have a stewardship responsibility to care for our fellow man. God calls us to love our neighbor, Luke 10:27, as one of the two greatest commandments. However, being forced by a collective or government into forced redistribution of wealth is not what God presented in his word. As the widow did in Mark 12:41 through 44, we need to give in a way that is private and honoring to the Lord, not forced by taxes and government regulations. Further, the underlying source of our wealth, our property, our work, our investments, our small businesses, etc., are not to be owned by a collective, a government, or otherwise, which is socialism. The Bible is full of references to the rich doing good deeds, such as the Good Samaritan in Luke 10, 25, as well as the negative consequences of the love of money being the root of all evil, a reference to 1 Timothy 6, 10. Having money or wealth is not the problem. How one decides voluntarily to use those funds is what's important. <clears throat> that was true in the Bible and is true today. Finally, as noted by the nameless Good Samaritan and the widow's might, I believe God honors those who offer their support in private rather than a public display for all to see. In Matthew 6, 3 and following, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The U.S. is the most giving country per capita of any nation in the world. I submit that we are able to offer that care because we, as a republic, are one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Finally, I believe that wealth comes from a capitalistic work ethic, a reference to Proverbs 10.4, rather than a socialistic ideology. God bless you as you serve him today.